12. So we are in Exodus and uh, working through uh, the, the people of Israel, their escape from, from slavery, from oppression. And, uh, and we find ourselves in Exodus 15 today. Now, this morning, my iPhone lit up and gave me this little reminder. Any, any of you all use your iPhones or phones of any nature to remind you of things? Any of you have apps that remind you of stuff? Um, you know, sometimes I have this game that Corbin loves to play, and let's be honest, so do I, um, called Home Run Derby um, on it. And uh, if you don't play for a while, it will it, it like gets annoyed, and like this little icon pops up, and it's like, hey, why haven't you played with me? Um, and it's kind of actually scary a little bit. Um, but I, I have this other app that two things happened last week. One, I turned 39. And two, I started a running plan. Wait, was that a who for 39? 39-year-olds! We're still in our 30s. Um, just barely. Uh, but So I started this running plan, and the reminder that popped up this morning was that I needed to run today for 30 minutes. Um, and it was one of those things, because I, I as I was walking in this morning, I was commenting to myself, uh, as I do a lot, Man, my knee really hurts. Um, and boy, my back really is hurting right now, too. But my back always hurts. But my knee sure is hurting this morning. And oh, my shoulder's kind of hurting. I'm like, is this what I am to expect for the rest of my life? Like, is this kind of what, for those of you that are above 39, is this it? I mean, is this what I'm in for? From here on out, it's clapping for that. That's awesome. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so, and I go into this mode of run today. I can't run today. I can barely walk today. How am I going to get out for 30 minutes? And let's be honest, I don't really run, you know, just move quicker than my normal walk. Um, But so I'm just, you know, going down this whole mentality of stuff. And I walk in here and I'm still kind of in my little dark shadow. And here's Daryl just flexing on stage, just, you know, doing all this because that's what Daryl does all the time. I don't know if you know this is when he plays guitar, he flexes. Did y'all? Notice that. Um, and was that Stacy hollering? And uh, so, you know, and he does push-ups in between services. It's really embarrassing. And and so, and that didn't help me, um, you know, because here's Daryl wearing his tight T-shirt going, hey, Michael, what's up? Um, and I'm like, great. Now I feel even better about myself. Thanks, Daryl. Um, and I go upstairs and, you know, sit down and I start preparing for the sermon and um, Casey Harris. Some of you know Casey, sweet little Casey. Um, really, we're just an applause happy group today. That's, I mean, not a lot of applause, but uh, so it, it, Casey is here um, today. She, uh, the Harris family moved to Hawaii, but she's back. They're looking for a home um, because they're moving back. And so she knocks on my door and I open my office door and there's Kate. And I'm like, you're, this is not Hawaii. Do you know this? Um, there you are. And, and I'm like, this is great. Um, that I get to talk with you for an hour and a half, but I really need to be working on my sermon and praying and preparing my heart to preach. And you're kind of really interrupting my time right now, Case. Um, and so when she finally left, it was 9.15. I'm like, thanks for leaving me 15 minutes. Um, and, and again, love Casey. Uh, love spending time with her. And, and, but I was in this mindset of, great, now I only have 15 minutes. Um, and then I'm going to keep going on this bitter train, by the way, just to let you know. Um, and then has anybody been enjoying the weather recently? Just how beautiful the weather is. Just 
Oh, it's just greatness. Um, while they're doing, <clears throat> thank you. I, was, I like that. Start clapping for that. That's good. Um, go God. Uh, yeah. So I'm sitting out there um, right before service, and I'm sitting um, outside in the courtyard, and on those benches, and um, and I'm trying to just be quiet and have some time. People keep coming by saying good morning. I'm like, stop it. Um, I'm trying to have a moment here, and um, but I'm just in just the weather's just gorgeous. These little birds chirping and um, and all this stuff. I, I will say that I was thinking one of them's going to you know, relieve himself on me. I just know this is going to happen. Um, but as I'm thinking about the beauty of the weather, I, what, where my mind goes is yes, but this means the summer is going to be so hot. Um, because we haven't re- and the bugs. Oh my gosh, the bugs. We haven't had been cold enough to kill them. So it's like mosquitoes are going to carry away child, small children this year, this summer, because so I'm not a bitter person by nature. Um, or, Wait, yeah, maybe I am, um, but it's hereditary. My father is, and and it's um, it, it's a passed down thing. I like to claim, no, it's not me. It's my dad. He is a he's a bitter person. Um, he is. He listens to these sermons, so I can say this freely, and he will know. Um, the the Rangers are. His, he played um, professional baseball when he was younger, um, and so he really loves baseball, um, and he loves the Rangers, and. Uh, so he roots for the Rangers all the time, and um, he just knows that the Rangers are the worst team ever. I'm like, Dad, they were in the World Series this year. He goes, yeah, but they lost. This is a couple of years ago. <laughs> Next year. Dad, they're in the World Series again. Yeah, but they're going to lose. And then when they, I told you they were going to lose. But, the, okay. Um, you know, it's just one of those things that you have this, this bitterness. And does anybody ever get this way? Am I the only Eeyore in the room? Um, any other Eeyores in here sometimes? You don't want to be an Eeyore. You just sometimes go down that road. And um, anybody sitting next to an Eeyore? That's usually better. Yeah, like, you're more, uh, yeah. Um, that's right. A daughter just dimed out her dad right there. That was greatness. Um, yeah, so, so we have these moments where we get into these things. And when you get into this cloud, it, it really changes the way you see things. It changes when you put on this negative lens and you begin to look through this, the things that you see take on this negative film. They, they take on this. Oh, yeah, it's a pretty day. But I mean, how many of you really would say that you're like, go out and just frolic in the fields. It's beautiful. But yeah, but you know, what's going to happen. You know, how how wrong is that really for for those of us that do that to do that? But when you get into this mode, oftentimes you just can't help but stay there. You know, last week we talked about this rhythm of, um, of, of relationship with God. And when you get into this rhythm of relationship with God, things just start moving because you understand more who he is and understand more who he longs for you to be. And you get into this rhythm. And when you break that rhythm, it's easy to get further and further and further and further away from it. And when you do that, you begin to not see who God clearly is any longer. And subsequently... You forget who you are. The same thing is true with this lens as you begin to see things through this negative spirit for such a long time. It really dampens your relationship with God. It really interferes with your relationship with him. And I got to tell you, even those people who are the bright, sunshiny people, this affects you too sometimes. Yeah, that's right. Come down the bitter train with the rest of us. You happy people that smile all the time so much so that we want to do violent things to you. 
This doesn't, you're not exempt from this. So the people of Israel are coming out of Egypt. And they've gone through this amazing movement of the hand of God, right? They've seen the ten plagues that, that Moses keeps going in. He's like, hey, let my people go. And Pharaoh's like, yeah, I don't think so. Oh, yeah, watch this. Wham! Over and over and over again. The hand of God just moves. And finally, Pharaoh's like, okay, y'all go for three days. Go worship. Do your thing. The people leave. They begin to leave. And we've been talking about this, that God is shaping their identity, reshaping their identity from who they understand themselves to be. Slaves, outcasts, no one. Into an understanding that they are sons and daughters of God. That they are kings and queens. He's reshaping their identity through these different ways and movements. And and they get to the Red Sea and all hope is lost. And God's like, this is going to be awesome. He parts the Red Sea, the Sea of Reeds. And as we talked about, they go through these reeds. And here's this sign that, oh, that God that we used to worship back in Egypt. He's it's not the real God. This is the real God. This is our God. And they get to the other side and the waters come down and they just swallow the last power that Egypt has, the army. And Miriam breaks out her tambourine and she does a little jig and she sings a little song and it's just awesome. And then they start off into the desert. God, why are we in the desert? Why didn't you leave us back in Egypt? In Egypt we had beer. Here we have not even water. Chapter 15, verse 22. Then Moses led the people of Israel away from the Red Sea and they moved out into the sure desert. They traveled in the desert for three days without water. When they came to Marah, they finally found water, but the people couldn't drink it because it was bitter. That is why the place was called Marah, which means bitter. Then the people turned against Moses. What are we going to drink? They demanded. So Moses cried out to the Lord for help and the Lord showed him a branch. Moses took the branch and threw it into the water. This made the water good to drink. Okay. You go three days without water. That's a long time. Especially if you're in the wilderness, if you're in the desert. That's going to be a really long time. So they go three days um, into the wilderness. There's no water. And all of a sudden, what are they doing? Complaining again. They're on the bitter train. And they start yelling at Moses, Moses, three days, no water. Like Moses isn't aware of this. Hey, Moses, three days, no water. I don't know if you know this, but there's 600,000 of us walking behind you and we're thirsty. Back in Egypt, remember them? They gave us food. They gave us water. They gave us beer every day. They gave us everything we needed. Sure, we were slaves, but we had stuff out here. Three days ago, God parted the Red Sea. Think about that. Have you ever seen a sea parted other than at Universal Studios? Have you ever seen something that magnificent happen? And yet three days later, they're like, what are we going to do? I mean, I know God can part the sea at all, but this is a desert. There's no water here. And then they come to this place called Mara. Mara, bitter. Now, an interesting translation here. It says that they could not eat, drink the water because it was too bitter. But the Hebrew, if you look at it, really says something different. 
It says they could not drink the water at Mara because they were too bitter. What? They were too bitter. How does that change it? It wasn't that the water was bad. The people were. They had such bitterness in themselves that they couldn't see the God moving. They were looking through this negative lens so much so that even when God presents them in the middle of the desert, this water. Oh, we can't even drink this water. They were so lost in the land of bitterness. And what did God, God tell Moses to do? Hey, see that branch over there? This is going to be great. Pick it up, throw it in the water. Ta-da! It's great. It's Ozarka. He picks up a branch, he throws it in to the water, and it makes it sweet. Now, some people say that's a hyssop branch, and hyssop branch can take away the blah, 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 whatever. What it was, it was a spiritual act that God was saying, look, here's where I'm going to move again. So now you're reconnected with me, and you see things again through my lens. Center yourself again on me. Come back from the land of bitter and come into my land again. You know the rest of the story, what happens right after this? What do they do? Oh, that water is great, God, but now we have nothing to eat. <laughs> really? God's like, seriously, how long have I... Oh, okay, here you go. <clears throat> Manna. Quail. Boom. Fed. It, it says in here that, that, that God's testing them, and it's, it's not a test so that God knows how they are going to respond. It's a test so that they would know how they would respond. When God tests you, he knows what the outcome is going to be. It has nothing to do with how he sees you respond. The test is so that you can understand how you will respond. The test is so that you can learn about your relationship with God. So God puts this down, uh, this bitterness that they were in, and, and, he, and he clears it, and they refocus themselves on him. Oh. And it says that he lays out these commands that, so that they can follow. And, and what happens is they go through the manna and the quail and he sets up the first commandment of the Sabbath, right? We talked about this last week that he goes, now rest on this day. It is important for you to get into a rhythm because if you don't, you're going to go back into the land of bitter. You're going to go back into a land where you don't understand who I am and how I work in this world. Now, not all of you are Eeyores. Some of you are those wonderful few, like my wife, who see the sunshine on the cloudy days. But we all cloud our vision sometimes with something. We all cloud our vision with the world's lens. And it causes us to miss the sweet water. I had a T-bar-M moment here. We are the girls from Sweetwater. Any T-bar-M girls here? Yeah? All right, sorry. That was just a... I have a bitter train, and I also have a random thought train um, that is really loud in my head. Um, so we're coming to God's table this morning. We're coming to this table where we receive bread, where we receive the body and blood of Christ, where we come to receive life. Now, you can come here 
And you can have your, your world lenses on, your bitter lens, or, or whatever it is that's seeking to distract you from this moment. Or you can throw those glasses down. And you can come here as if Moses himself is throwing a branch into the water and you can receive this gift of life. Maybe it's the hundredth time you've done it, but it will be as if it's the first. As we refocus ourselves on him, on the fact that he is God, Father, that he has created us to be heirs to the kingdom of heaven. This is our reward, our gift, as we come and experience him. As those who are coming forward to help with communion do so, I would ask the rest of you if you you would pray with me. Gracious and Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for this gift of life that we are about to receive. God, we thank you so much that while we were still sinners, you gave your life so that we might have ours. On the night that you were going to be betrayed, you sat around the table with your disciples. You took the bread and you blessed God for it and you broke it. And you said, take this, eat all of you. This is my body, which is given for you. After supper was over, you took the cup. You blessed God for it and you said, take this, drink all of you. This is my blood, which is poured out for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you drink this, do so in remembrance of me. And so we come in remembrance of these mighty acts. And pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would make this be for us the body and blood of Christ. And that we would be living in holy sacrifices to a world that desperately needs to know your love. We thank you and praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen.